you're guaranteed death, prison, or recovery. I'm here to help make that decision for you. I gotta sober up. I'm not gonna keep doing this to myself. I love and respect myself today. It's not how much you drink or how often you drink. It's what alcohol does to you when you do drink. Find something that you love and do it. Don't be ashamed. Ask for help. You know, I was powerless and I was out of control. If all of your friends are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, the only way to get away from doing that, and I hate to say this, is to get rid of all your old friends. When I got sober, I didn't get sober for me because I didn't really feel like I deserved to be sober. I got sober for my kid. Welcome to episode number six of the Living Sober Up North podcast. Uh, here I am once again in the in the, in the seat here, in the, in the control booth, man. Uh, si- oh, no, not Sideshow Nate. No, that's the other podcast. Nate Verberkmos. I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. Got about a year and a half into the game right now. And uh, the, the Living Sober Up North podcast, I want to remind everybody, too, is uh, brought to you by Aberkey Productions, uh, broadcasting out of New Leonard Media Studios right here in Traverse City. If you want to produce a podcast yourself, too, uh, please contact Aberkey Productions. You can find them on Facebook. It's A-B-E-R-K-Y Productions. And uh, then, yeah, you can come in here sit down it could be a business podcast you know it could be talking about your business or whatever type of thing that you're passionate about maybe you're really into goldfish there you go you got a uh, you got a podcast you can make a podcast about goldfish um so uh but yeah to get right to it now uh living sober up north podcast is all about sobriety living sober in northern michigan which is not the most most easiest thing to do whatsoever and um i've uh, been inviting people in to the studio here to sit down and tell us their story about how they stay sober you know like what brought them to this moment in the in their uh, in their life and uh in the studio today we've got uh, silas silas how you doing man i'm doing all right how very you doing? cool very cool man it's uh we've had silas before on the uh the the south of the straight show and um now he's uh he's another brother in sobriety with me man he's uh he's going through the whole thing too and uh so uh silas just just uh, i guess you know tell us about your story like what brought you to the point you know what was it that first made you say Okay, I gotta get this. Uh, this this shit is just not working for me anymore. I gotta I gotta quit alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. What was it? The thing that like initially started because I've been in recovery for like a few years now, mm-hmm. just like lapsing ever since 2017 was when I first tried to get sober. But this last time, basically what it was was I blacked out and woke up in jail, had two broken ribs, well a cracked rib and a broken rib, just bruised up didn't know how the fuck i got there and was just freaking out like what the fuck happened uh-huh. me and my girlfriend had went over to my sister's house to go and have a couple drinks and it really tripped me out because like i had just like gone off like a week binge like two months prior where i was mm-hmm. like i was in wisconsin going to pick up a car and i was doing four horseman shots the whole night just trying to like tank on everybody like yeah Jeez. i can out drink everybody i, I had can do like, it all yeah yeah took like 10 four horseman shots and like was drinking craft beers all night and like blacked out woke up in my hotel room lost my shoe my left <laughs> shoe was gone the security had it i'd lost it on the casino floor on my way up to my hotel room but i woke up in the bathroom and like i was puking up blood there was like blood oh, and puke wow. all over the bathroom and the toilet and the floor and wow. my shirt was in like on the bed but i woke up on the floor and i like tripped out because i was like damn i'd never gotten that shitty before yeah yeah you know so it was like all right i'll slow it down a little bit and i was taking it easy on the drinking but when i'd went over to my sister's house that day for it was on saint patrick's day last year in mm-hmm. 2019 and 
me and my girlfriend got a fifth of Jaeger to drink between me and her, and a, I got myself a six-pack of Budweiser Copper Lagers, mm-hmm. which is, like, a very casual thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, you know, in, in recovery, you look at, like, yeah, a fifth is a casual thing. A right. fifth and a six-pack is a casual thing. Right. Like, and it is in the grand scheme of things, but that's it's really not healthy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it tripped me out because I blacked out. I, last thing I remember, we took, like, three or four Jaeger bombs, and I had, like, two of them beers, and I stepped outside to smoke a cigarette, and I came back in. I sat down on the couch. That was the last thing I remember. I thought I passed on the couch, and I woke up in jail. Come wow. to find out that I had actually gotten in a fight with my sister. And it's weird to talk about because it's like, you know, oh, I got in a fight with my younger sister. She's not like, you know, 13, 14. You know, she's she's 18, 19. But nonetheless, it doesn't make it okay, you know. Right. Coming to a position where I'm like, you know, I'm putting the women in my life in danger. That was just a huge wake up call when I, you know, woke up, <laughs> literally wake up call in jail, like what the fuck. And then I call my girlfriend and she told me what happened because like the CO brought me my papers after like two hours of me sitting there freaking out and like you got a domestic and I'm like what the fuck, oh shit, it's my fucking sister. And I oh, like man, initially sucks. my thought process was, damn, I put hands on my woman. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was freaking out even more. And then, I, you know, when he said it was my sister, it, like, took a little bit of that weight off. And I'm like, all right, you know, my sister's going to love me at the end of the day. But that doesn't make it okay. Right. right Nothing no. about the situation was kosher. So it was like I called up my girlfriend and she told me what happened. And I was just like, yeah, no, I got to I got to sober up. I'm not going to keep doing this to myself. Mm-hmm. Been in and out of jail since I was like 16. And it's like one of those things where do I want to keep living my life like this now at 23 years old? Or do I want to make that change and start focusing on my life and my success? Absolutely. And it was uh, like alcohol and whatnot. Was that like a big family thing? Like when you were growing up, was there a lot of alcohol in your life? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is like when it comes to Native Americans. Mm hmm. We didn't have alcohol on this side of the planet for, like, thousands of years. (laughs) Right, right. And then it just gets introduced to us 400 years ago. So it's like our bodies don't have the tolerance built up, like, the way other cultures do. Okay. You have Japanese people have had, you know, alcohol for thousands of years. Europe has had alcohol for thousands of years. But we get introduced to it. There isn't generations and generations of people drinking. And then the, you know, the body over time, over generations learns how to, you know, take evolve in in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like native Americans are a lot more susceptible to alcoholism just based off of that alone. Okay. And then growing up, you know, I remember being like real, real fucking young. Like, you know, my mom and my aunts and uncles, they're all partying and shit. My dad's partying, you know, my dad's like still in his shit at this point in time but it's like you know you never really think about it when you're that young you know it's just normal right you know people are drinking that's you know alcohol is a thing and then like you're saying it's hard to be up in northern michigan and be sober because like there's alcohol everywhere for you i mean it's got to be even harder growing up with alcohol in your life you've already got it instilled in you at a young age you know and then with uh that i mean the the fact that your body itself kind of just like goes to it you know like it's like like it works with you in a sense you know and like but it doesn't work obviously like it doesn't work for anybody i see like my my cousins i have one cousin that's been in and out of the hospital for the past like six months because he keeps trying to detox and he keeps trying to you know he's 
he's getting to a point where it's causing detrimental damage to his body at like 21 22 years old wow and i look at it being you know as young as i am it's more difficult not only just being native and having it around my whole life and being around it but then now being at the age that i'm in i'm back in college now Mm mm-hmm this is all anybody does when they're in their early 20s (laughs) nobody everybody drinks everybody's doing drugs and i mean i had my time experimenting with drugs you know but that all got put to a halt when i had one of my cousins that i grew up with he had od'd and passed away back in december of 2016 and that was when i slowed up on the drugs i was like all right you know i'll just stay away from this scene or whatever and then turn 21 the following summer and then it was game over from there it was like all right now you know literally midnight turn 21 i'm going to the fucking gas station just like it's a 10 minute walk from my house Uh uh-huh but i drove there you know because you know why not and i don't know man it's just yeah it's it's weird yeah yeah no i and i i hear you on all of it dude i my i i grew up the alcohol was around you know like i my mom's boyfriend was a recovering alcoholic he was also manic depressive schizophrenic uh sociopath you know mm-hmm. so he had a lot of mental issues from his own childhood his mother and and whatnot and i mean we can get into that in a whole nother podcast but <laughs> it was uh, uh i mean it was it was around me all the time you know i i mean to to kind of put it into perspective when i was growing up um, my mom would be going to work, right? She'd be taking care of the, the the bills and all that stuff. And my mom's boyfriend and his friends would be watching my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And for years, I I mean, they were just insane. You know, it was yeah. complete chaos. Just it was it was nuts at my house. It was just like a party house. You know, I remember there was this one spot in the front yard that was actually worn down to dirt because of uh, a hacky sack circle. You know, oh, like yeah. they'd hang out out in the front yard yeah. playing hacky sacks all, all day long. And I would watch these guys just doing the most insane things. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, when I grow up, you know, like, this is what it, it's like to become a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when you grow up, this is this is just this is normal. Mm-hmm. And then I come to find out that they were tripping on LSD and smoking weed and, <laughs> and drunk half the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. So, wait, that's everything that I believed as a child, you know, watching yeah. it was like, that's not fucking normal, you know? But no. as an adult, I was thinking, okay, you know, this is just a regular lifestyle style you know Mm -hmm. this is the lifestyle that i'm gonna live and i didn't i never realized that when i when i actually had control of myself you know once i could control what i was doing and thinking in my life that i didn't have to live that way you know and that's what's crazy about this realm of society is like you know when you when you grow up around that shit it is normal but then when you become an adult and you surround yourself around other people and people who like going to school was a big thing for me because now I'm meeting people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And like I dated this girl when I was a junior and senior in high school. And like she grew up on the complete opposite side of that spectrum. Her parents did not drink at all. She grew up in a house where her parents were together her whole life. And you know, they had dogs, her and her two sisters. They had a really nice house up in Northern Wisconsin. It was like really cool. Uh And like that opened my eyes to like, Oh shit. Like the whole world isn't like this. Right. You know, it's not like you spend between age 18 to 20 waiting to turn 21 to get, you know, finally now I can drink. Right. But you know, you're probably drinking before that. Oh yeah. Which kid wasn't? Yeah. I mean, I have like three MIPs and it, like that's what was crazy to me when i look at like the probation department and the jail reform and stuff like that like when you when you put 
criminalization of addiction and recovery in the same boat like me being 19 years old getting my first mip i got put on probation for a year mm-hmm. you know took care of all my fines and everything and i had violated probation for smoking weed and i was drinking at the time right and i went up in front of the judge and you know he just let me off probation he was like probation failed you're you're free to go really yeah and i was like look at the time i was like oh my god this is a blessing like now i can just go and smoke weed and do whatever the fuck i want (laughs) right but now i look back on it and i'm like you know there was a perfectly good opportunity to be able to make something out of the system that's put in place that everybody strives for you know when you get a young man that is clearly not in the right path Mm-hmm. And you're not going to put him through the situation that he probably needs to actually get better yeah. or to like get away from drugs and alcohol. Right, right. Because now that, you know, this is my fourth time on probation in the past like five years and only now am I starting to realize it. And only now am I putting everything that I've learned over the course of the past five years into practice and I got a year sober coming up next week. Nice. Congrats. I'm really excited about it. Thanks. That's awesome. And like... Is, is crazy to think about because of all of the times that, you know, you get that nudge from the judge and you never really think about it. Yeah. You know, immediately your mind goes to, okay, I can, I got to do PBTs twice a day. If I do my PBT at 6 p.m., I can get drunk. I can keep drinking until <laughs> right. 9 and then I'll be straight to blow clean the next day. Yeah. But like it never works. Yeah. No, trying to beat the system like that is just. No, the the only way to go about it is to really like get clean and sober. But then like that's a whole task in and of itself. Yeah. You got to change the way that you think the the, the people that you're around. Yeah. The way that you live. You know, I mean, having if I had my ma's boyfriend, like I I, I have to think of this. Like if he was still alive and I was still hanging around with all them and, and whatnot, there's no way that I would have stayed sober. Like, it's just not possible because that was just the completely different lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've lost a lot of friends because of my decision, you know, to yeah. to stay sober, to remain on this path, and to yeah. uh, not only help myself, but help others, too, you know? It's Absolutely. A, it's a selfish yet selfless type of a program yeah. that, that a lot of folks work. So what is one of the main things that uh, is helping you, though? Like, uh, how are you staying sober? What is it? Like, after after you get off of paper and all that stuff, are you off of paper right now yet? No, no. no? Yet. Okay, so... I got like a couple weeks left but i think the biggest thing for me that's been helping out and like i push this to everybody because i know a lot of my younger cousins like i have a lot of cousins on the res right now that are like 15 16 17 years old Mm -hmm. and it's cool right now because a lot of these kids they don't go out and do bad shit like the way that i did or the way people did 5 10 20 years ago yeah yeah you know when there's nothing to do nowadays all these kids got, you know, they got a TV and an Xbox in their room. They sit and play video games, but <laughs> right. they're, they're still sitting around and smoking weed. They're still going to be drinking and shit, you know, doing yeah. drugs, whatever. But at the end of the day, what I've what I've found is like the best outlet that I like. I don't want to say I preach it, but I try to push it on as many people as possible is like that drive to be creative or that drive to do something productive in the sense of like, I want to make something and put it out there for the world to see. So like for me, music has been that biggest thing because like, 
doing music. I'm around people that are still drinking and doing drugs and smoking weed all the time. Right, right. Like, all the time. I go I go to somebody's studio. They're rolling up. They're having their tall boys or whatever. But, like, the, my main focus going into those situations is I have work that needs to be done. There's right. a, There's things that need to be written out. There's production that needs to be done. Whatever it is, like, the main focus for me is the music. Art, music, videography, photography. Like, it's great for not only people in recovery, but just people in general. Because, like, even if you're that, that you know, quote-unquote weird straight-edge kid that, like, nobody talks to because, oh, he's, he doesn't smoke weed. What a mm-hmm. loser. Yeah. You know? It's like that gives that person the avenue. I look at, like, somebody like Tyler, the creator, didn't smoke weed until he was, like, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. But, like, you have that channel and that avenue to, like, be social and, like put your mind towards something and be around like-minded people because like when it comes to drinking and drugs you're around the people because you have that same idea of drinking and drugs Mm -hmm. when you're around people in the art community or the music community you're around those people because you have the idea of music and art right and that's been just like crucial for me so it's like you kind of surrounded yourself with positive like-minded type folks you know and like it it worked for you simply because you know they're they're living their life good i I guess this is gonna make my life good too (laughs) well like even even in the sense of like you know surrounding myself by like-minded people who are in sobriety i don't hang out with anybody that's sober (laughs) oh really yeah yeah because it's like you think you're you're talking about going to the studio and yeah there's people rolling them up and all no, that shit. nobody in my age group is sober i think i know like two people in my age group that are sober and i don't hang out with them because yeah. like for one they're girls and i mean i don't you know i don't mind hanging out with girls but at the same time like i want to kick it with the boys i want to talk shit and like you know you can't make fart jokes around girls <laughs> you know so it's one of those things where like i know my path and i know what i'm doing and nothing's going to deter me from that because of the program that I'm working right. and keeping in myself. So then I can look at somebody else my age who, you know, isn't in recovery, mm-hmm. but I can like sort of plant those seeds with somebody because a lot of times like the people that, you know, I'm around, they're still dealing with their struggles. You know, drugs and alcohol aren't going to take away your problems. Right. It might make it easier to deal with for a short amount of time, but it's not going to like the problems aren't solved so like i hope to be that person that other people can look to and say oh shit he's doing really good is that because of his recovery or is that because of his strive to do good things and in reality it's both Mm -hmm. but recovery plays a big part of that because when you're in the midst of drugs and alcohol that's all your focus is on but right now my focus is on first my family Mm -hmm. second the music third is school fourth is work because like my work is like i go there and do my job i don't think about it when i leave Mm -hmm. but school i need to get better on i need to reset my priorities and put school before music because i'm so far behind (laughs) in all my classes (laughs) right right now it's week nine in the semester and i have like so much to do yet but it boils down to like when you're working your program and when i go to aa i can i will sit and i'll hang out you know and talk to people there that are in recovery but it's still the the sense of like i am sort of alone in it because 
I'm the only one my age that I see that's taking it as seriously. Like, you know, being a young man and being native and trying to stay sober when nobody else that I know of besides people that are on probation are trying to stay sober as far as my community goes. But yeah, yeah. when I go to meetings and when I go to different events for recovery and sobriety, I realize that, like, I'm not the only person in the world that's doing this. Yeah. So it yeah. helps a lot. But ultimately you know like you said it's a selfish and selfless thing so yeah i was wondering too like the uh the, when you say that you turn to music like music is kind of one of those things that's really helping you to stay sober oh, yeah. why did you choose music you know why why why, why didn't you choose uh, skydiving or you know <laughs> i mean mountain climbing or something like what was it about music that just money money because <laughs> <laughs> like it does i already have a cell phone in my pocket it it starts as just writing you know i can get my thoughts down and I don't have to worry about any outside force because, like, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. like, I've always, I've always done like drawing and painting and shit. Yeah, you know, my dad was an artist; he still is an artist. I shouldn't say was an artist, like, so that world was always that world. But when I was going to school in northern Wisconsin, like. I like to draw weird shit. I like to draw fucked up shit, like right. grotesque people getting their jaws ripped open and Hell yeah. brains coming out, you know, oh, so right, it's yeah. like now, that real, yeah, gory shit. But like, <laughs> I got in trouble when I was in Wisconsin. I got kicked out of art class because I was drawing that shit. Like, they said I was satanic and they wouldn't post my artwork. Like, we had this one project. I still have a picture of it. We had to draw the door, the door to the art room. Uh-huh. And we had to draw something behind the door. So I drew, like, this, like, Kraken-esque looking tentacle beast monster coming out of the of the door <laughs> with, like, a little guy sitting behind the shadow of the door. And on the door, I wanted it to be symbolic of, like, the demons that exist in the closet was, like, the idea behind Ooh, it. Right. So I put an inverted cross on the door, like, hanging from it. Oh, he's preaching the devil? Yeah, literally. <laughs> they're like, this isn't going to fly with us. If you want to draw this stuff, you can draw it in your sketchbook, but we're not going to hang this up next to everybody else's. And what was stupid about it was, like, I had some of the best work. Isn't that stupid how they like they like conform your art? Yeah. You know, like that, that, why do people do that? I, so, I th- is that that's another tough thing even in music though. You know, yeah. where like I mean, you might have like a certain beat or a certain song in your mind, mm-hmm. and it works perfect in your mind. You know, I mean, and then you t- you get it out there, and people are like, ah, eh, man, I'm not really feeling yeah. that. You know, maybe so, if you did it like this, and it's like that's why I liked having that background of the art stuff because like the reason why I got kicked out. I went into my sketchbook and I drew a self-portrait of myself, but like burnt and decrepit and like my skull was ripped off and like big teeth and like really nasty looking man, with I wanna, a big middle finger. I want to see some of these drawings with a now. big man. ass middle finger <laughs> and they kicked me out because they're like, no, you're not going to do this stuff. No, because it was a middle finger to them. Right. You know, I was like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Fuck you guys. So right. then now going into music. You know, I don't have that, like, mind block of limitations of, like, what's crossing the line. Because, like, you look at somebody like Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. He does murder, blood, gore, rape, right. everything. But, like, nobody's questioning his sanity. Right. Which you know, is, which is amazing, art. almost. It's art. <laughs> it is. So, it's like, an artistic way of, you know, yeah. I mean, putting it out there. Like, I mean, they got took a, what, he took the, the end and the beginning of a movie and, you know, like, yeah. confused everybody. <laughs> it's, it's cool shit. So then, like, when I look at music... It's it's not so much like a visual representation of like 
you know, the dark, decrepit thoughts of that exist in everybody's subconscious, like in my subconscious. But now it's taking like those dark emotions and being able to pour those emotions out. Because like when I'm sitting there writing, odds are I'm in a very bad place. Mm -hmm. Every time I go to write something, it's because I have something that I need to get out. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, an AA and an NA 12 step, they say you need a sponsor. My sponsor is my notepad. You know, I yeah. get I get everything out and it I got to a point where I'm like everybody's like saying, Oh, this is too soft, why are you sounding like this? It sounds depressing, it sounds sad, it's whatever, it's this and that and the next thing and it's like it's me. This is what I wanna do. Like this is what keeps me sober because I can take these things that are going on in my head and I can just get it out so that whenever I go somewhere, I'm not in a bad mood. Right. You know, I, I can go that. and laugh and joke and say stupid shit and like I can go to work and like some bad thought will creep up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting there, the store is dead, there's nobody in there. I start getting in my head and I'm like, fuck man, shit's kinda fucked up. And then I'll write about it. And then somebody will walk in and I'll be like, Oh hey, you know, why was the basketball court all wet? why oh because the players were dribbling <laughs> you know be able to say stupid shit wow. and just like do you have kids yet because that's no. a perfect dad joke i, I mean <laughs> no i have a baby on the way my baby's due april 13th oh, nice, so that's nice. been the thing i'm trying to collect all my yeah you're getting jokes. a bunch of dad jokes all put together Get man. Them ready. Get them ready. <laughs> i love that well silas i think that's uh that's amazing it's inspiring too to know that there, there's outlets out there like that you know mm-hmm. i mean i think that uh i mean what's music like another thing is like it would from your childhood too is that like something that you always used to do you know like would you when i was be an aspiring rapper or aspiring musician or anything like that subconsciously i wanted to because like my older cousin casey in 2005 he released a project called two times Mm -hmm. and he was under the monkey counting coup and I remember being real young, 2005, I was like nine years old. He he had them pressed out on blank CDs. Yeah. So I was like taking old, like, you know, old CDs and taking all the papers out and then making cover art for him and a track list and shit. Oh, and cool. then like, you know, started writing real whack poetry in middle school like everybody does. Right, right. You know, oh, life is so horrible. I'm in middle school. Fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, so then it sort of gravitated towards it because, you know, my dad was an artist and I wanted to, when I was about 16, was when I started connecting with my other cousins who were also doing rap music. Yeah. And I was like, my cousin hit me up while I was living in Wisconsin. He's like, you got bars? And I was like, <laughs> yeah i got bars yeah. <laughs> and i sent him some shit and he's like dude you need to do this and i was like all right and then from there i started taking it more and more seriously as the years progressed just because of you know different things going on and now me realizing that like not only is it me separating myself from my dad's quote-unquote legacy mm-hmm. of doing art because everybody's been telling me oh you should be a tattoo artist you should do a graphic design you should do this you should do that but i had the love for the music way back in the day when i was a kid and it was never like rap music that i was really really in love with it was like i fell in love with pink floyd's animals album oh nice gorilla's plastic beach album lincoln park's a thousand suns album awesome you know even different shit like Smokey robinson was like real big and like remembering the the music that my mom would listen to when they were partying and i was real young i would hear that and it would bring back like a sense of like comfort i guess yeah but then 
<laughs> when I hit like eighth grade, Guitar Hero came out. Uh-huh. So I started playing Guitar Hero and that opened up my eyes to like everything from Census Fail and Metallica and, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers and like this whole realm of rock music that I knew nothing about because I was only on hip hop for so long and like pop music. You right, know, my older right. sister was really into pop music. So it was like now I'm getting like deeper and deeper into the more and more hardcore shit going from Metallica and Slayer to like Devil Wears Prada and next thing you know like I'm 13 14 years old listening to Suicide Silence and Cannibal Corpse yeah 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 and I'm just way too hardcore <laughs> and I'm like hold on I need to take a step back cause like I'm That's listening funny. to shit and I like it I'm rocking out and then everybody around me is looking like what the fuck dude like, <laughs> you know and I'm like alright so started getting back into hip hop and that was when like my freshman year Lil Wayne dropped what was it I'm Not a Human Being bought that album mm -hmm. you know just getting back into hip hop and then that was you know next year or two was when started taking the rap shit seriously and, that's cool you know that's it cool. was yeah it was never an avenue like the, what it is right now back then it was just you know something for us to do yeah, while we were yeah. sitting around drinking and getting stoned oh we're gonna freestyle oh we're gonna you know do this or that is really what it was and then now i'm looking at it as like you know this is an avenue yeah, it's a culture. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's everything. Yeah, I think it's funny too that you said that a, like a video game kind of helped you. I had something similar when I was a child. I, uh, I, my mom, my first time ever actually getting sober, um, I was uh, eighteen years old and I was living with my mom at the time, and she had uh, bought me MTV's Music Generator as Hell a yeah. as a video game. You know, like it was like a Christmas present or something. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, man, this is so difficult. You know, like I couldn't understand how to work it and all that stuff and then i started i started actually playing the game where i'm like creating music i'm creating a song and all this stuff yeah. and then um i lost my coffee oh it was right there that was your coffee. Th this is my coffee. That is your the coffee. Cup, the cup is weird. I don't know why oh. I was looking, I was looking for the Northwoods logo or whatever it is. But like she, uh, I, I started playing that video game and then I, I put it down. I mean, I, I made countless songs, you know, just mm. songs of my own. And uh, then a friend of mine, we didn't have like a, uh, a, a, we couldn't find a drummer that could play what I was coming yeah. up with, you know. So we used the MTV music generator to practice with, uh. you know, he'd play guitar and I'd sing and and we'd use the we'd have the bass and the drum line from the MTV music yeah, generator that's dope I put that down for years and then got into radio and when I got into radio I was like holy shit this program's just like the MTV music generator mm -hmm. you know just it was like I fell right back into it you know and now yeah. I I and I haven't I haven't stopped recording I haven't stopped producing things ever since you know like it was just like one thing that just like man that was that was something right there that that helped me when I was a child I remember my first time getting sober back but in 98 what's crazy is like you have these love you have this passion and this love for these things but like when you're in the midst of your addiction it almost takes a back seat yeah yeah you don't even re it's not even there you know, it doesn't you hit like two years down the road and you're like you know not even thinking about damn where did all that time go what was i doing you right know, i could have had so much done within this period of time but like all your money going towards alcohol all your right. money's going towards weed or to yeah. pills or you know i was doing a lot of acid at one point and you know when we're when we're partying you know you do a line of blow while you're drinking 
you know it's a good pick me up right right and before before i knew it you know here i am like freebase and coke with a couple of friends and dabbing freebase out of my dab rig that i used to smoke weed out of yeah and then going through dt's or no that's not dt's that's like withdrawals mm-hmm. like where i'm trying to go to sleep but i can't even sit still re- and yeah. i'm getting cold sweats because we had just smoked like two grams of coke out of my dab rig throughout the day not even throughout the day there was like you know a couple hours and like i'm like fiending and i'm like jeez. i'm like jeez i don't want this for myself yeah and yeah i look at you know the past two years where i had like one project i did in 2014 and no i started it in 2013 i didn't finish it until 2015 and then i did a project in 2016 and then started one right after that and didn't get that one finished until just last year oh really well before i got sober yeah and now this project that i that i'm set to drop i just finished it last night oh really just finished it yeah so i i'm gonna be putting that out here next week on the day of my year but i can look at something and say like the last six months that i've been working on that Uh uh-huh here's what i have to show for it yeah yeah you know, there you as go opposed to just, and look at how quickly you got it done too you know yeah. six months <laughs> as opposed to two, two three years at a time you know I mean, for... it sounds like shit <laughs> the mixing is trash but you know i didn't i wanted i wanted to be able to say that i did it all myself right right you know and my mixing skills you know i'm not fucking kanye right you know i don't have years <laughs> behind my shit but at the end of the day i feel like the message and the lyrics and you know all that speaks for itself you know very cool you don't really need to have the best production if you have something to say you're going to say it no matter what right you know right i kind of look at drinking like my peers and everything Mm -hmm. you know even myself nobody's gonna stop me from going to the store right now after i leave the studio today going to the store and picking up a couple tall boys and going home and slamming them right the only person that can stop me is myself so when I look at other people, I try to keep in mind that it's not so much me should be worried about, you know, what what's going on in their life. I'm not one to judge another person. Mm-hmm. It's more about making sure they're safe. You know, right. I, I've been preaching about harm reduction and I don't want to say I'm preaching about it, but I've been like trying to open up that door to people's minds to think about like nobody's going to stop somebody from doing heroin nobody's going to stop somebody from shooting up a school. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to stop the officer from shooting that kid who has a gun and yeah. he's aiming it at his own head. You know, it's one of those things that like you have to be there for other people and say like, you make your own decisions, but I care enough about you to say, I want you to be safe about this. If come 20 years down the line, my son's a heroin addict, be that as it may here use clean needles i can't help you get sober if you don't want to get sober you're not going to get sober Mm -hmm. you have to want that for yourself all i can do is be here for you and help you and love you yeah you know that's all it is you know you just got to love the people that are around you and show that love and say hey you know you want a cookie (laughs) <laughs> I got some Oreos. <laughs> Here, I know you're high as fuck, man. But right, right, <laughs> here's yeah. some milk, too. <laughs> yeah, let me help you out a little bit. Well, thank you so much, Silas, for coming in and talking about your uh, your your journey that you're on right now with uh, with sobriety. And yeah, um, is there anything else that you would like to say before uh, we close the show up here? Or? I'm very proud of you for being a year and a half. Oh, sober thank too. you. Thank you, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be back here. I, uh, geez, it was uh, it was a dark hole that I was in. But see, my biggest problem was when I. 
uh, I first got sober uh, back in 2014, um, I I had chosen the wrong higher power. That was like my one ma- main thing right mm-hmm. there. And I had given myself a, a way out by focusing on the fact that if I ever lost something, that would be my reason to drink again. Yep. And then I lost my family. I had a divorce. You know, was, I lost I lost that. And I, I turned right back to the bottle. And yep. it was just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde all over again. You know, yep. this time around, though, I've got a completely different higher power. I've really focused on what I'm doing. And uh, it's it's a lot. I don't know. The way that I'm thinking now is so much more. It, it's very similar to what it was back in 2014. But at the same time, it's like a whole new grade, grade higher. You know, like yeah. it's like gone from high school to college now. Well, well like you've grown. And that's the other <clears throat> thing that you got to keep in mind, too, that I think everybody's got to keep in mind is you can listen to something five years ago and listen to it again today. You're, you're going into it as a completely new person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, looking at when I first got sober, like three years ago when I first started getting it, mm-hmm. I was a completely different person back then. I didn't give a fuck about my life. Right. I didn't give a fuck right. about if I was going to end up dead in a ditch the next day or whatever the fuck was going to happen. All I cared about was making sure that the people around me were good. Right. But now right. I learned that I got to have that love for myself and care about myself. And I think that's important for everybody and yep. i think that's the main message with sobriety is self-love self-care yep yep you know yep it's Very good, good point well thank you silas so much uh episode six right here everybody uh we hope that you enjoyed this i hope that you've enjoyed this so far this has been a nice little journey so far episode seven is right around the corner i'm actually working on getting a uh, a currently a uh, a an alcoholic who is currently still drinking you know like uh, to come in here and explain why is it that you're still drinking do you want to get sober and stuff like that you know not whole dr phil type shit yeah. though i'll tell you that i can i'm no psychiatrist whatsoever and all the things that you hear on this podcast too are not diagnosed by a medical professional i'm not <laughs> i am not a medical professional i don't know jack crap about the you know psychology and whatnot but this is a this is a podcast just mainly here to help you or maybe help somebody else you know maybe you're going through a tough time and you want to uh you want to try to get off of the, the addiction you know and find something that you can do maybe you maybe you you could become a musician like Silas, you know? I mean, it could be something like that. You could be like Diana was, you know? She likes to do running and whatnot. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's other folks that just could, they completely turned AA. Um, we've got, uh, who was it uh, that we had uh, before? We had Carlos. Carlos and uh, Shannon, who were in here, who uh, they they like to, they focus on family. Family is their big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many different things that can help keep you sober while you're living here in uh, northern Michigan. Thank you again, Silas, for uh, coming in. Chat today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, bud. We'll see you.